Scripture reading today is from John chapter 2. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning to you. I'm Howard Brown, and um, we are planting a church for those who don't know in the city of South Fulton. For some of you who may not know where the city of South Fulton is, it's a fairly new city, about five years old. It is uh, about 10 minutes uh, from the airport on the west side of uh, Atlanta, southwest, um, just a little bit outside of 285. Um, We have been in the process of raising support so that we can get the go-ahead, hitting a certain threshold, to begin gathering and planting. And um, at this point, we've we've reached that threshold. And so in January, well, there's many thresholds, but that's the first financial threshold, just so you know. And uh, we are just starting to begin to bring people together. Um, to start this work. So it is a scratch plant. Scratch plant means that your family are your only members. Um, And seeing that both of my boys are in college and not at home, my wife, Kelly, out here, and um, our dog and our cat are our members (laughs) right now. I don't think the Presbyterian will count that as a core group or launch team. We can't particularize um, yet. So we are, we're doing the work. It's been good. It's been fun. Um, so far, we've had one gathering, and it was encouraging. A good number of people came out. And so we're going to continue to follow up on those leads. For me and Kelly, it's the fun part of church planting, not the fundraising part, just meeting people. And so we, we appreciate that. Thank you so much for inviting us here today. I was telling some people this morning that because we have, uh, don't have a church home that we go to on Sunday morning on a regular basis, I find myself at a lot of different churches and I hate visiting churches. I really do. Man, the pastor does? Yeah, because it's just a different culture every single time. Let me say we like being at in town. Um, so... Um, it's good. Um, and that's because your pastor graduated from Clemson, just like me. No, see, I knew it was something. I knew there was a hook in that somewhere. 
Um, so uh, thank you for having us. Um, the name of our church is Kindred Hope, by the way, if you want to look us up. So let's turn to the word today. Um, even if not all of you have felt the burden of keeping a wedding or wedding party going, we have all been like Mary, caught, stepping in the middle, uh, you know, stepping in the balance, stepping in the middle, serving and helping in a world of relationships and situations of overwhelming demand and disappointing supply. Sometimes disappointing supply in us, and sometimes it's around us. But Mary found out that there is not only more to the struggles we face, but there's more for the struggles we face. That the Lord has a plan for the struggle you find yourself in. But not only that, with that plan, he has a real passion for us in the middle of that struggle. If we look here at verses 1 through 3, it says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan, Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply, excuse me, the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. So these ancient Middle Eastern weddings were no joke, right? They, they lasted a week. Talk about a catering bill, right? But the whole town would participate and do what they could to make sure things went well for the bride and groom. But, but, but most folks came to the party, had a good time, some people from out of town. The one thing you could not run, run out of, wine. And they would try to make it stretch for like seven days or however long it lasts, sometimes by watering down more than it already was on the first day, having the best unwatered wine first and then weaning and winding people down, maybe as they, so they can safely drive home or go home when the thing is done. We had a good wine. That makes people want to go, right? Good food and good wine Good celebration can make people stay too long. But anyway, I don't know whether Jesus' mother Mary was on the wedding planning team, but at the very least, she was a conscientious and concerned wedding guest. Or like one of those mothers or, or fathers in an old school church that is ready to serve and head in the kitchen to cut up some ham if all the fried chicken is gone. That's my culture, y'all. Maybe they have to send someone out for a box of chicken to add to the mix. But, but there she was, Mary, a woman in desperate want in a tight situation for those she loved and felt responsible for. And what Mary might be experiencing, expressing to Jesus, we all know and feel. And we are healthy individuals should feel and experience the weight, the burden, and the pressure of a world that is in constant need and want, a world with lots of longing. The wedding week was filled and planned with joyful and hopeful and celebrative expectations. Even Jesus was invited. 
right? This wedding was filled with godly and good hope. And, and like them, right, we in our world have dreams and hopes and goals and desires. We want good things in us and around us. You know, and, and, and like Mary at that wedding, we have a world of people and things we love and care for and have a passion for. Nothing wrong with that. It's good. It could be your brothers or sisters and family, a spouse, a child, your parents or parent. Maybe you have become the caregiver in your relationships. Maybe you just love your friends and you want more for them and, and want them to be happy and not suffer so much. Maybe you're a good neighbor or the neighborhood you're in needs you to be in the gap for someone or something that is dying on the vine in some way. Maybe it's seeking joy and justice and peace and God's good and shalom in some way. Like your global partners in the Middle East, right? But in that position you are, you're in, like Mary, you feel not only the longing, but the lack of life. The pressure comes from Mary, not just longing for goodness and greatness and best and good for the wedding, but the real pressure comes on Mary when she realizes that with that longing will come the lack, right? In this world, the broken stuff, the not yet, that, that can't get over and pass stuff to get to the blessing or the goal or the joy or the hope or the good. It, it's like that fallen world, Murphy's Law, some of you call it. It, it, it. The sin, the human mistake, which means our longings, our, our good ones, sometimes have a hard time being met in this world. Take this wedding and our passage, for example. Just thought. Maybe somebody forgot to order enough. Maybe someone didn't water the wine soon enough. Maybe the wine delivery guy took a couple of bottles home for himself, right? Maybe folks got greedy and drank too much. Maybe they invited too many people, right? Maybe more cousins came than were expected. The RSVPs didn't add up. Maybe the maybes on the RSVPs turned to yeses all of a sudden. Maybe they were perpetrating like they could provide for and host all these people and did more than they should, and in their pride, they went with it. Maybe someone dropped the bottle and didn't tell. Oops, it'll be all right, right? Maybe it's poor administration and planning. Maybe like church planters like me, they are visionaries with no administration, right? It'll work out. Who knows exactly? But one thing you can always be sure of in a world with positive and even good longings and dreams and hopes, the world will always lack, lose, fall down, not hold up, not go the way you have perfectly planned. And in this case, run out, run low be overdone, be outdone by the demands, make you feel like you are not enough. And maybe you are not enough. Maybe you've run out. Maybe you've reached your limit for something you've put yourself into that's very good. Maybe you've reached your limit of what you can do for your marriage or for your relationships or for your kids or for your grandkids or for your neighbors. 
we have this phone system, and I'm sure some of you might have it, called Life360. Y'all heard of this? And you can track your kids wherever they go, and it even tells you how fast you're driving on the interstate. And, you know, it's, it's, oh man, when Kelly had a sign up for that, it could even say if they're in an accident, right? Like, I'm like, this is so good. We are on top of things. Well, we have a college kid, 22 years old. He's 22 or 21. <laughs> Still old enough. Okay, 21. Okay. And we have a 20 year old. Okay, sorry. So the 21-year-old decides for New Year's Eve, he wants to go with some friends down to Florida to somebody's parents who have some beach house somewhere, and they're going to go get in this truck with this lady who's driving. They're going to go down there, and they're going to have a good time. I know you parents are thinking, oh, Lord. <laughs> Bunch of 20-something-year-olds from Scad and Savannah headed down to Florida. Bunch of artists, too, Right? <laughs> Ain't nobody really engineering nothing in this thing, <laughs> right? They just going to have a good time. And you can see it, like, on life. We just, because we told them we didn't want them to go, because we were like, this, yeah. New Year's Eve, you, all of y'all just turned 21? Like, this is going to be a disaster. And so we are watching the little dot going down the highway, and we see where they're going. We can kind of, we're trying to scan in at the building. You know, we don't have anybody's number. We only have his number. We don't know anybody. We know some of the kids, but we don't know how to get in touch with them. We don't know their parents. We're trying to trust them, all this kind of stuff. And so what time was it when we looked? 1130. Was it? No, after New Year's came, came in, because it wasn't before, because we were still happy. And then New <laughs> so after the New Year came in, you know, we finished popping our bubbly or whatever, and then we looked, and the dot was at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yes, at the hospital. And it was there for how long? It was there till like 2 in the morning or something. So from like 1230, I'm calling him and it's going to voicemail. I'm like, dang, his phone is in the morgue, right? Like, I just, you know, you think the wrong thing. And I'm looking at the shape of the hospital building and it is definitely the dot is in the ER and it's not moving and he's not answering the phone. Ah, oh, I'm a parent with Life360 and I'm on top of things. No, sometimes life is such that you're in the middle of it and you see all the lack and you have no way to fix it, right? Turns out somebody, not him, apparently, somebody had too much New Year's bringing in the New Year a little too hard and had to go to the, to the ER. Okay, that's what we found out the next morning at 10 when he finally called. I called him. Yeah, Dad, what's going on? You know, one of those. Um... Sometimes God does not give you an answer. <laughs> Sometimes things in life just show the amount of lack and longing, even when you're trying to be in a good spot. 
And Mary definitely recognizes the longing and lack and is honest about it. And it drives her to go to her son, Jesus, for help, the scripture says. Now, why him? Apparently, he's done no miracles yet, but the Bible says Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding too. In other words, come on, Jesus. You got a whole crew with you. He could at least be counted on. He used his, his influence because he had an entourage and was teaching and, and all now. Maybe he knew someone or could come console people or do an ancient TED talk on when the good runs low or something and then give a word from God or maybe he had some money and could get the disciples to go to the discount corner store and get some cheap wine, right? Some Mad Dog 2020 or Wild Irish Rose. Maybe they can make it work or maybe she remembers. Oh yeah, I can say and gave birth to him as a virgin and the angel came. Maybe he had a special connection to God. But she at least wants him to own this desperate situation and share the load and longing and lack that she was in the middle of. She wanted him to, be, to act like he cared. And we get somewhat of an unexpected response, don't we? Look at the scripture with me. So she comes to him in, in, in verse 3 and says, they have no more wine. In verse 4, he says, dear woman, that's not our problem. I had mine. No, just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> Dear woman, that's the problem. You brought your disciples. They drank it up. No, I, they, the Bible does not say that. Okay. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, at first glance, it seems like Jesus brushing his nagging mom off like, mom, I came here to chill with my boys. And you come all in my face talking about some wine. You know, uh, right? Is the son of God, Jesus, being disrespectful to his mother, calling her woman and and saying, what does this have to do with what I'm about? I'm I'm, I'm here at the wedding like you. This ain't me. I didn't drink at all, right? The, The use of woman towards his mother for Jesus, let me clear it up, is not disrespectful. Is a term meant to be irrespective. In other words, Jesus saying, I am not going to answer this situation like a son who has to and only will do it because of who you are. As my mother, there is no nepotistic prayer life stuff going on. This time and space and situation right, situation right here is about me answering you like I would for anyone, any man, any woman in the whole human race. Now, this is good news for you and me because he does not elevate even the one who gave birth as a virgin, virgin no more Mary. He is acquainted with her and connecting her to the human dilemma and desire. So that what happens here for her is true and applies to the whole human race as those caught and struggling in the longings and lack of the world in and around them, that this Jesus is not just Mary's son, but God's son, the son of man, the the son of humankind who came to be acquainted Acquainted with our, your, my human condition, that he came to be right in the middle of the weddings and everyday, ordinary, regular people longing and lacks. God and Jesus is with you where you are right now, and that like a mother would her son, he came to be asked by us in our need to be burdened and bothered 
with our burdens and our bothers. Man, woman, right? Person. To let us know that for our world and our lives, our re- in our real struggle, the Lord can be trusted to have a plan. Look, look at verse 4 one more time with me. He says, dear woman. Okay, that made it better, dear woman. That's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Now, some translation says my hour has not come, right? This is not my hour. Jesus is basically saying, I have your requests and I see your issues and I feel your very human dilemma. I know you are standing in the gap for good and for friends and you and they are all exposed right now. But I, Jesus, alone stand in the gap between, hear this, what you might sincerely want and need and be desperate for and what God ultimately wants and is able to do here. You see, whenever Jesus talks about his hour or his time in the Bible, he's usually talking about the hour he would die or when he would return to earth a second time. But Jesus is also using it as a way to simply tell Mary that his life and actions are divinely exact, in tune, precise, in time with God's divine plan, right? I'm not sure everybody realizes he's God in the flesh yet. So so he is saying, I'll deal with this wine situation, how and when, and if the Father God in perfect union with me, God the Son, the second person of Trinity determines, I am and will do what is divinely synchronized and administrated by God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. I don't like that. Okay? It's hard. I don't like administrative stuff. Red tape. You know, calling, hold on a second, someone will be with you in a minute. Oh, no. You're 42nd in line. The other day I was holding for the water company for something, and I was, they were like, you're 42nd in line. I'm like, ah. Oh. So I put it on mute, I mean, put it on speaker. Yeah. And I did, was doing something else, playing a video game, watching TV, reading the Bible, or something like that. <laughs> and um, just, just sort of waiting. And then, and, well, it doesn't go in anymore. It's just, I was like, huh? When I got down to 25th in line, y'all, they hung up on me. Called back, you're 48th. (laughs) Anyway, that's what I hear when I think it ain't time yet, right? Look at verse 5 here. Well, before we look at 5, one thing I want to bring out is, When Jesus talks about being synchronized with the plan of God, that is also good news, right? The answers, because it means this, the answers to your prayers, our life, our struggles, our requests, our posts to Jesus, therefore will and are also synchronized with the divine plan of God, right? There's no prayer that Jesus takes on that isn't on God's schedule, that it isn't in God's divine plan, which according to the Bible means the struggles of those who are God's people are done, planned out in time, not just for God's plan, but in that plan for our good 
in the end like the wine for his best for us. Look at verse 5 there. Now, it says here, uh, but his mother told his servants, do whatever he tells you, right? After he says, woman, what's this got to do with me? Do whatever he says, right? And, you know, I wish the Bible had more drama, like the chosen or something, right? I always wondered what her face looked like. Woman, what's this got to do with me? You know, I wonder when she says, you know, do whatever he asks. I can't tell if it's, boy, you don't, don't, don't play with me. Just, just do what I tell you to do. I'm your mama. I just wonder if that, or, 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 but, but what we do know is that Mary doesn't go to the store. She doesn't ask another prophet. She doesn't say, forget you you callous holy man, or weep or fall down and pout. She leaves it in his hands, in his planning. Let me explain something to you. Mary's faith is not primarily in going to Jesus, though bringing requests to the Lord in faith is big. But her biggest faith act is letting the Lord, in this specific case, be her divine wedding planner. It's best for her and everyone involved that way. I don't know what it's like in your church culture or your culture, but often when I grew up in African-American churches, if there's a potluck, um, you didn't make over that there was pound cake or mac and cheese, something like that. The mere presence of the item is never enough, right? But what's the question we ask? Whose pound cake? <laughs> Whose mac and cheese, right? Because it can go two negative ways. I don't trust theirs. You know, they let their cat on the counter. Or I, I saw a roach at her house, y'all. Or she let her kids mix it up, right? And they had their hands in it. And then, of course, hers moist, baked with the golden brown crust, and on and on and on. So I ask you, not if your dilemma is getting dealt with, but who is handling it? Who have you said, do whatever, right? Who, who have you given it to? Even if it's you, can whatever you're doing with it be trusted to be right and good and best for you and others who can see and cook things up from a divine, divine angle and viewpoint that you don't have? You know, we had that Life 360 thing happen. We couldn't go to sleep, man. I didn't know what was going on. At some point, we had to say, I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of a weird thing. You just say, I, I don't know what I, I can't do anything about it. I could try to fly down there, drive. I can't do nothing about it. You see, there was a greater urgency and longing going on at the wedding I want y'all to see. As much as Mary was longing and the wedding party was longing, somebody else is wanting and longing too. Look at verse 6 through 10. You saw that magic trick? That's okay. This happens a lot because my, um, my um, iPad, I have this big structure on it. Everything I have is heavy and old. My son's like, that, that's too big. That's too old. That's too heavy. 
You know, they have microchips now. Okay. I still hit save after every paragraph. Uh, sorry, I'm that age where you... Y'all, some of y'all old enough to know when you type something out and it'd be gone. Y'all remember in college, you'd be in the computer lab. We had these things because not everybody had a laptop. And you would hear, I mean, it always happened every year around the final exam time. Somebody would write a whole thing. Oh, God, what happened? It's gone. It's in cyberspace. Remember that? Things used to get lost in cyberspace. I, yeah, I got plenty of papers in cyberspace. Um, you hit print and it doesn't print and click, 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 click. If the power go out, your thing lost. That's how I live. Okay, nothing to do with the sermon. Okay, let's go to verse, let's go to verse six here. It says, standing nearby, there were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremony washing. Sorry. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from. Though, of course, the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. He says, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the least expensive wine, but you have kept the best until, until now. It, it, it's real funny. He takes credit for it. You don't have to say, no, it wasn't me. He's like, mm-hmm, right? Um, so Jesus had this whole thing at this wedding set up. This was a God set up, y'all. Let me go ahead and say this. Just in case you didn't know or notice this about the Lord, he answers the prayer. Let's not miss that piece. And he gives. He works the possible out of the impossible. He delivers. He provides. He helps. But with a bigger story attached, like the wine being good, Jesus is always extra with his. Okay? So, and this situation is of no exception. Mary needs wine. He does turn water into wine. Unbelievable. And that is the small, the little, the easier, the secondary miracle here for Jesus. You see, these 20-gallon vessels are not just any water drugs, right? Y'all see that? The, the, the Bible says they were ceremonial cleansing water drugs. Jesus, I mean, Jews would use this water specifically set, a set aside Fill, tub, fill the tubs up to bathe in for holy functions, or if they would become religiously unclean in some way, they would wash with this stuff. This transformation of water into the best wine in vessels by Jesus points and illustrates a greater longing and story within the story, just like there's a story within each one of your struggles. You see, at this point, you can tell by Mary's request, she and disciples are following Jesus because he's a holy man. He's a good Bible teacher. A spiritual celebrity, if you will. He makes you feel good probably to be around. He's your ticket to getting invite to all the parties and becoming seen as resourceful. He got the tickets, man. If you want to go to Super Bowl, hang out with Jesus. Somehow he got the hookup, Right. Like, he makes you feel like you're somebody, someone you could depend on in a squeeze because you're hanging out with him. But God had a different plan and greater passion that day. The bride and groom weren't the only ones expressing and inviting love. Do y'all see it? God was wooing and convincing people that his love for them 
was the best. Look again at verse 11 with me. It says, This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. Hear this? This is the last part. And his disciples believed in him. What? You know what that believe in means? It means the disciples went from just believing what Jesus was saying and that he was saying some pretty cool spiritual things. Nice dude, power to the people kind of stuff. To committing. That's what this word in Greek for belief means. To commit their lives to him and on him. It means they began to put the resultant hope of their lives on what this Jesus can do and who he was and who he is to, to act and shape their very lives around him, to possibly grow to even love him. And get this, look to him to care for them and love them better than anyone or anything else could because they were not believing in according to the nature of this miracle in a hard boss, but a servant, a giver, a lover of God's best for them. They actually began to believe that God loved and had a passion for them, broken, needy sinners. Like vessels, they would be supernaturally filled and changed by the love of God for them. What if your struggles were moments for that kind of supernatural transformation? I was watching this monster movie on Netflix. I'm a, I love like monster movies like Godzilla and all that. Yeah, King Kong and all that. Y'all remember Ultraman? Okay, I'm, I'm not going down there. So, and, uh, you know, it had subtitles. I believe it's a Korean movie. And I've watched some of those, uh, some Korean dramas and love stories. And um, so I was just going along for the ride to see a good monster movie, y'all. And there's, uh, there's, you know, you got the one main character who's the eligible bachelor, you know, handsome, you know, real slick and cool, intelligent. And then you have a woman in the story, and she's kind of dressed like a young man or something, and you can't tell whether it's a woman or a boy, and maybe that she's trying to cover up. And she's real mean, and she and the eligible bachelor are always fighting and struggling with each other, and she's all covered up, and they get into a fight. This eligible bachelor guy and this woman dressed like a man or a little boy or something. And they're fighting. And I'm like, man, this is a good action show. And right in the middle of the fight, he takes his sword or whatever and knocks her hat off in slow motion. The hat comes off and the hair flies out. And the music starts. And he's and I'm like, oh, man, I came to watch a monster movie. And it's turned into a love story. The hat came off of Jesus that day. And the beauty and power and authority of who he was was revealed to them in that miracle. Cue to music, right? They believe. 
they began to fall in love with Jesus and know his love for them. Like the effect of the best wine, Jesus used their need, their lack, their emptiness, their prayers. And in that, their prayers, their pleading, their desperate last hope in him to intoxicate them with heaven's grace that led them to a faith that broke into their lives and then broke into their hearts for them. We had dinner last night with some friends of ours who's a pastor at Perimeter. Our best friends, Pastor Amari Hill and his wife, Sharice, and they have three kids. A younger kid, Aaron, um, is autistic. And uh, it's the second time they've come over to eat with us. And we just want to, Kelly's an amazing cook. And she just was cooking. And they come and lay on the couch. What, we, what movie are we watching tonight? Like, I put the movie on. We just hang out and talk. And I love Aaron because Aaron says what we're all thinking. So Kelly's cooking, and, 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 and he's like, I want to eat now. I'm tired of waiting, right? And then it's like brownies are being made. At the, I don't want that. I want brownies now. And he goes, he always goes to Amari, Daddy, Daddy, I want to eat now. I want my brownies now. And I'm thinking, me too. Go, keep going, Aaron. And Kelly says, you're asking the wrong one. This is my kitchen. You have to sit still. And he has this curious look like, Dad. And Kelly's like, you can ask your daddy all day. I made this food. He's like, oh. And he waits. And he's like, Aaron, how is it? It's good. <laughs> I'm glad I waited. And at the very end, the, the brownies finally come out. And Kelly makes a big deal. Aaron, Aaron, look what I have for you. You want ice cream? You want whipped cream? You ate all your food? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she goes, do you know why I did this for you? Aaron, do you know why? And he says, because you love me. And Kelly was like, yeah, that's it. Here's your brownie. You know, in the struggle, in the want, in the lack, in the longing, oh, we are so desperate, our hearts are breaking. But our God wants to take this time to pour his love and grace in you in the middle of the longing that you would be able to look to him and something supernatural happens. That you would see his glory and his love for you so that you can finally taste and see his best for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But let Jesus turn your longings and lack to love. Do you want to see his glory? He wants to show you more than you could ever ask or think or imagine today. So I say go. Go in the middle of things. Go into that hard wedding that's longing. Go into that relationship. Hang in there. 
because God is about to reveal his glory to you and in you and to others in a way you can't imagine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Oh, we are reluctant to get go where there's longing and there's lack and we get discouraged. But if we're yours, there is a greater story happening. The love between God and his people are ensuing in the struggle. Lord, we need the cover, the hat to come off and we need to see your glory. Because right now all we see is struggle. All we see is administration and hardship. (laughs) We need you. All your people here, you know, are in the middle of all kinds of stuff that they literally can't handle or do anything about. But you can. And we thank you that you're that kind of God. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.